Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of A Little Bit Famous with Ted Murata. My guest this week is Alex Skolnick. He's the lead guitar player for the thrash metal band Testament. He's also a jazz guitarist. He has a trio called the Alex Skolnick Trio, and he's performed with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and we'll get to our conversation in just a sec. I just wanted to let you all know that I have a couple shows coming up February 11th and 12th. My band, Ominous Seapods, will be performing at The Hollow in Albany, New York. We'll be performing as a quartet, calling ourselves The Seapods. One of our members is living in Australia and uh, can't make it to these shows, uh, but they'll be a lot of fun. It'll be me and Tom and Max and Brian. That's me on the drums, Tom on the bass, Max on guitar, and Brian on keyboards. And uh, if you're in the area, you should come out and see the shows. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Ted Murata. You can find me on Facebook at Ted Murata Drums, and I have a page just for this podcast on Facebook called A Little Bit Famous. You can find it there. And uh, that's about it, I guess. I hope everyone's well. And uh, here it is, episode 28 with Alex Skolnick. My guest today is Alex Skolnick. He's a guitar player, photographer, writer, and podcaster. Um, Alex, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be on. Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, I'm doing okay. Um, and it's good to see you. Um, I just want to say at the outset that we we have a mutual friend, and that mm -hmm. kind of led to this uh, conversation happening. And his name is Tom Perosi. He's a bass mm -hmm. player, and uh, I played. And continue to play with him. I have played with him for, for decades now um, in various bands and things like that. And um, so he connected we, me with you. Um, but I, I do want to ask real quick, how, how do you know Tom? Uh, gosh, I think I first met Tom through a project that is going to sound completely random and out of left field, especially compared to some of the music I'm known for. But I met him while playing for a modern dance troupe. <laughs> oh, was, modern, this, was yeah, this attack go, theater? This was attack theater. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, you know, okay. I do because I know yeah. Dave Egar really well. He was a guest on my show, too. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've known Dave a long time. And I guess I met him through Dave. And uh, I played music with Dave in a few different configurations in the 2000s so that was uh -huh. around, around when we met and uh, once i started doing projects with the tax theater and dave uh tom was there and that that was how i first met tom gotcha okay so small world crazy mm -hmm. um yeah anyway, i'm surprised you know who that is because i then i don't need to explain that it's the sort of cutting edge very unique dance dance troupe i mean the yeah. fact that they would have musicians like us there kind of says, says a lot yeah yeah um and you know tom has spoken at great at length about his experiences in attack theater mm -hmm. so you know I, I i was familiar with with them with you guys as a as a 
group or troop, as you said, in real time, like as he was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to the Philippines with attack theater and, mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. Um, all right. Anyway, so let's get let's get to talking about you and um, and your life and, and career and music. Um, I, first question, where were you where were you born and where are you mm -hmm. right now? OK, I was born on the opposite coast of where I am right now. I am currently in Brooklyn. I'm okay. right on around the Gowanus Park Slope area of Brooklyn. Uh, I've, I've been here over 10 years and I moved to New York in around the year 2000 and uh, maybe just before that. And I moved from Northern California, um, a long time Northern California resident. I was born and raised there and specifically Berkeley, California. All right. So let's let's get let's start there in in Berkeley. Did you grow up in a family that that uh, was active in music at all? Were you, a, or, you know, a, some the stories are different for everybody I ask, but sometimes, oh, yeah, music was everywhere. And then some people are like, no, not only, you know, my family were all doctors and they wanted me to be a doctor, et cetera. What was it right, like for right. you? Yeah, it was not like that at all. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, not a family of musicians. Uh, it's very, very similar to the example you, you described. Instead of uh, doctors, my parents were um, university professors, mm. specifically my, my father, the very decorated, preeminent professor in the field of sociology. No kidding. And yeah, my mother was a psychologist, um, also PhD academic, focused more on um, textbooks and um, studies and um, statistics. So I was expected to go into going to academia. Um, both my parents were on faculty at UC Berkeley. The whole social scene revolved around uh, UC Berkeley and Stanford and, you know, just all, all academics, high, high level academics. And yeah, um, I, yeah, I didn't re relate to it. I mean, these are like really in-depth subjects that, you know, as, as a child, I just never felt a connection to, I, I honestly never understood what they do. Yeah. To be honest, right. I just yeah. knew they, they like write papers and, Go to these conferences, but I don't. It makes no sense to me. Mm. And uh, music was in the air at, at that time. I think there oh. were a lot of um, local bands. Uh, I did have an older brother that started playing. Um, he was seven years older, so when he was like high school and college age, you know, I was just starting to play, and I went to a few of his concerts, they really have local gigs, but I got to see up close and personal um, what it was like, you know, to, to play close. And it looked great to me. Yeah. You know, I would always hear, you know, these horror stories about being a musician and you, you have to play these clubs and most people don't get beyond the clubs anyway. And I, I went to these, I loved it. I'm like, yeah. this it sounds great to me. I, you know, if I only play the clubs, 
yeah i'll be happy was your uh, real quick was your brother your only sibling your older uh, brother? yeah he was my, my only sibling and uh, most of our relatives were from the east coast so i think i always had um, the east coast in my blood when i started traveling to the east coast for for music in my yeah. late teens and early 20s i always felt a, a connection here and I, I don't think i knew it at the time but looking back i think i, I knew i would end up on the east coast i didn't know if it would be new york or boston but i just always felt more of more east coast energy and so we were pretty isolated um yeah it was just this nuclear family and pretty everybody pretty like quiet and introverted and to me you know music was just this way of uh being expressive and also uh connect oh there's a cat yes yeah, that's yeah. that's dash i was, I was saying yeah there's a couple here too oh yeah okay um but yeah it was just a you know it was a way of communicating and um you know it was just really big it was something that a lot of folks were, were doing at the time you know it's kind of like i would imagine somebody growing up today you know gaming is a big thing for example right yeah or whatever you know tiktok videos or whatever you know yeah. there's things that people are doing young people are doing and at the time i was growing up there really weren't many people playing like my age at the time i started playing at 10 okay and i didn't know anybody else my age. i mean that's changed there's a lot of yeah kids that start young. the kids get really proficient much yeah. younger but I saw, you know, my brother and his peer group and pretty much, you know, most of his friends were in some bands. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the bands are, are not bands you w- would have heard of, although we did have a friend around the corner who sang for a band that was a band that was the first uh, headliner act for Metallica ever. The first time okay. Metallica ever played so and I so I got to see these bands in you know pretty much you know in their infancy like I saw Metallica because they were playing with my friend's band I saw Slayer the first time they played they played with the same I feel bad for this band because like they played with everybody that you know bands that would go on to be these huge names but yeah. they weren't known um so yeah it was just there were there was so there was quite a scene and it was it was hard to avoid so even if you didn't play an instrument you were going to these shows that was yeah. just what you did and that was yeah that was kind of how i i first found my way in this all right this is really interesting because i'm just i'm just assuming and you can correct me if i'm wrong i'm assuming that you were you were born maybe in the early 70s or 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 mm-hmm. Somewhere around there, ballparkish. Yeah, just means- beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Late, All right. So late sixties. Okay, late sixties. Okay, late, so late northern. 60s. Yeah, almost okay. the seven. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. northern California in the late sixties um, was a music scene that's kind of no, you know, it's it's a legendary era, the late sixties uh, of music, and especially in in California. And your brother is seven years older, so yeah. he would have been coming a of age. A little bit even earlier, you know, like when 60 when um, 
you know, the big music of that era was happening. You know, I'm thinking like yeah. bands like Grateful Dead and, and stuff like that. But you're talking about Metallica and um, bands that are not in that world at all. And I'm wondering if you did when you were a kid, did you did you consume or like any of the music of that of that era when you were a kid of the, you know, the, the sort of 60s folk and hippie and, and um, psychedelic well, you know, stuff? We were kind of overwhelmed by it. It was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, even tie dye shirts and incense and all that stuff. Was, there was a certain area near the university where you would go and they thought it was still the summer of love. Mm -hmm. And hate Ashbury was kind of like that as well. They mm -hmm. sort of kept up the mystique of it, even though that scene was so far in the past. And every time the Grateful Dead would play, their fans would converge yeah. upon wherever it was. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know anybody that was into So I, I always, I, I appreciate the Grateful Dead now. Mm -hmm. I've gotten since become much more open to them. And I've, I'm, I'm much more knowledgeable about what they do and the live. But at the time, I, yeah, I didn't get it. My friends and I all thought it was weird and strange. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, one of the big reactions to that. Yeah was this yeah. music that had nothing to do with that, which was European-influenced heavy metal mm -hmm. taken to an extreme. Okay, so let's talk about that because mm -hmm. um, I think the, the word you used, reaction, is interesting. And I'm wondering if that was... It was, it was not only a cultural reaction in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, but was it, was it a reaction for you personally? In a sense, um, were, you, were you like rejecting that music and being like, I, you know, I'm going to do something much harder. What I guess what I'm asking is, yeah, what got I, you interested in in the groups like Metallica? And I'm sure you can I'm sure, you know, many more mm -hmm. names of groups that I don't know that that were um, active in the scene when oh, you yeah, were younger. Tons. Yeah. So what what got you interested in listening to them in the first place, much less later on becoming a guitar player in a band like that? Well, uh, one reason was, you know, they, they played a lot of the, these great local shows and you could catch bands like Metallica and Slayer, both of whom were at that time based in Southern California and having a hard time. They did not fit in in Southern California, but they would come to the Bay Area and it was where, where there was just much more appreciation for them. What what years so, were what you like roughly? Are you talking like very like, early eighties or early eighties? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like, okay. Like eighty, like the first time, yeah, the, the very first time I saw Metallica, they had already played the Bay Area a few times, and they were already on their first album. Mm -hmm. But they, the first album had just come out, but they were still playing clubs. Yeah, and um, yeah, I saw them, you know, a couple times. It was like really small places, but you know short time i mean it was just incredible to see what what happened with them uh i never you know witnessed a band like yeah you know, from the ground up just getting getting to such a level um 
and yeah, Slayer had come up from Southern California, same same thing. But then there were these other bands that were based in the Bay Area. Uh, one of them was called Exodus. Oh yeah, and I know Exodus. The, yeah, and the guitarist for Metallica, Kirk Hammett, had started Exodus. That was his band, and uh, they they had uh, he had joined Metallica when during the making of their album. Well. They were having problems with their lead guitar player who oh, famously yeah. started another band called Megadeth. Yep. And also did their debut show, I believe, in the San Francisco Bay Area at this at a tiny, tiny little place, one of these places we would hang out with. So it was just it was like something to do on the weekends. Like every weekend there would be a show. Sometimes it was bands you've never heard of. You know, some band would come up from fresno or somewhere that yeah and you never heard of them then you've probably never heard of them now but every now and then more often than not actually it would be you know somebody that you you would end up hearing of later on so yeah so it'd be, it was sort of this weekend scene but it was also yeah by that point i'd been playing guitar for a number of years and the guitar the guitar music i was into was like high energy guitar music. I wasn't that to, to be perfectly transparent. I wasn't that interested in playing the heavy music. I, I was more interested in going to the shows. I just had a good time at the shows. But I the stuff I listened to was, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, Dio, um, Van Halen, mm-hmm. you know, all like very guitar focused hard rock and then i heard you know i heard one of these bands you know one of the many many bands that would you know be on this circuit there was a new one called legacy and they were they had supported slayer they supported megadeth and they seemed like they were kind of on the rise and i had started thinking you know it'd be might be a good idea to try to join a band like that that's already because I had tried to form bands in high school and most of the my peers weren't playing. They didn't have as much experience as I did. And it was really difficult. I tried joining a couple other bands. And then almost as if I'd willed it to happen, there was a good, an opening to join the band Legacy. And that was the band that would become Testament. Incredible. I, I get, I, you know, I, I always park on moments like this. I just think that I just think they're so amazing um, when when an opportunity comes, not just like there's sort of like a thought that precedes the opportunity a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it happened yeah. with me and it's happened with a lot of people I know. Sometimes it's sort of just a little mental commitment or something. And then and then, you know, there's a knock on the door or something. And I, I, I want to get into yeah. talking about this experience with Legacy and and becoming testament and moving forward but Mm -hmm. i just wanted to ask real quick do you remember uh i'm sure you do but you said you started playing guitar around 10 Mm -hmm. right what what was your do you remember what your first guitar was do you still have it no i don't have it it was a sort of nylon classical guitar really cheap like a beginner's classical guitar and very difficult to play yeah, I was wondering if it was, you know, I was wondering if your first guitar was a, you know, and she bowled electric guitar or an acoustic. And so yeah. that answers my question. Yeah. And I played that for a couple of years. Uh huh. But I Were got you taking that, lessons. Yeah. I, I studied with a, a folk teacher 
And he, he was like a folk teacher. He became a pretty successful children's artist. No kidding. Uh, yeah, but very basic stuff and just acoustic. But he also, he was able to teach me songs that I wanted to learn because mm. he, you know, the core, he recognized the chords and a lot of the the stuff. I, I, I was a big Kiss fan when I started playing. Yeah. And, you know, he could, those, those songs aren't that complex. It's not right. like I was trying to learn Emerson, Lake and Palmer. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was great at teaching me. I was a huge Beatles fan. Still am, obviously. Me too. Um, and yeah, the Beatles, song, I, I learned some Beatles songs and, uh, and he, he was great. Uh, but then I got to the point where I felt like, okay, I, I really need to learn to play lead guitar mm. and I need to find somebody. So I, I, I bounced around from a few different teachers, some blues teachers of uh, some guys that my brother played in bands with who were actually really good, like really like the best on the block guys. Mm. But then I, I got to the point where I thought, okay, I need to, they, ha- I knew they had the same teacher and it was somebody had this reputation for being really strict and hard to study with. Like you had to have it together or he wouldn't teach you. And uh, very serious mu- musician. And there weren't many people like that who played g- guitar. It was more that type of teacher, you know, the very advanced and disciplined. Usually that would be a piano teacher. Piano. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or a violin teacher. So this right. is somebody like that. And all I knew about him was his name was Joe. And I ended up finding out about him. He taught in this little guitar store and you had to sign up on a list and you'd get a call from the store a month or so later and come in. And uh, Joe was Joe Satriani. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. that just up studying with him just upped my commitment and upped my my discipline and I studied with him for about two years and then about two years later he was giving us you know giving his own recording career a shot and obviously that worked out for him because we yeah. all know who he is now yeah exactly people listening are gonna be like ah you know <laughs> that's really interesting um. So you said you started, you wanted to learn how to play lead guitar and you, you studied with Joe Satriani. Um, I remember when I was growing up, junior high, um, high school, I, I was, I'm a drummer. So I was, I was playing my drums and nobody really knew I was a drummer. I was, I was just like playing in my basement and stuff. Eventually when I got into high school, I started playing with some guys, you know, guitar players and stuff. And a couple of those friends of mine, we would spend hours together playing and things and every other waking second I was hanging out with them. They had their guitar in their hand and they were practicing scales or they were doing whatever they were doing. And, uh, I, I, is that, was that your life? I mean, did you get to a certain point where you were, it was just you and your guitar, just practicing, 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 practicing. Yeah. I I got pretty disciplined about it. Um, I didn't, practice that much in public though i wasn't one of these people that like always had a guitar i knew i knew a couple people like that um and that was all well and good but i think i learned early on just for me i needed to sort of 
lock myself away and mm. close myself off and really focus on my practice. It wasn't like a social activity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did the more time went. I mean, I, you know, I had, I think before I studied with Joe, I like, I had a few periods where I could almost feel it going. Like I could move away from it. Like, okay, maybe I'm not going to work as hard at it. And, you know, uh, but I would always get pulled back to it. And then when I started those lessons, then it was just, okay, well, just to keep studying with him, <laughs> to keep yeah. my lessons, I, I have to be more focused and disciplined. And during the time I was studying with him, um, joining the opportunity to join this band came up. And then, okay, I have a, a show. I'm, these same clubs that I go to hang out on weekends and watch bands, I'm going to be one of those people on this. I mean, that was like yeah. a big deal for me. Yeah, like, that's it was a, a huge, huge yeah. deal. Yeah. So, okay, I, I got to get this together just to, if nothing else for, you know, because I'm playing The Stone in San Francisco yeah. next week. That's, <laughs> I'm still, I'm in 11th grade. So I'm like, I really have to get, get it together. And um, yeah, so I think, yeah, having the incentive really made me try hard. I've, I've learned that about myself. Like I'm really good with incentives. If there's mm -hmm. a show or a recording or something coming up, then that, that really pushes me. Yeah. So when I buckle down and work on something, yeah, then you can't tear me away from music but you know i if i don't have a specific project i'm working on then you know i'm, I'm not going to just play for the sake of working on my chops or, or whatever right that, so, i mean that does come naturally though with a lot of the music i do anyway i can only imagine yeah i mean a lot of the music i do too it re requires having uh, the technical ability but yeah. since the metal days i mean i've yeah, it's 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 kind of a long a whole other story in itself. But I was in the band for about uh, for five albums, total of seven years. This is from the this time is I, for when this is for Testament, like yeah, after Legacy. Testament. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, just long story short, I I started liking jazz guitar, and this mm -hmm. presented <laughs> some. Yeah, you know, it presented challenges and and opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I I started diving into jazz guitar. Of probably by the second or third Testament record, I think I was like nineteen years old. Amazing. And fast forward two years, like I got. I I took me. I mean, it took me a long time to really get jazz guitar together, but. Within a couple of years, though, I, I was good enough to play um, like instrumental rock music with um, Stu Ham, the great bass player. Mm -hmm. And I, I auditioned for him with, with some other really good players. And I was able to make this audition. And uh, I, when Testament took a break, I did a tour with, with Stu Ham. And he had done a, he had been Satriani's bass player. His early recordings had his guest 
One guest was Satriani. One guest was Alan Holdsworth. One guest was Eric Johnson. So next thing you know, I'm, I'm out there playing these songs. And, you know, I didn't try to do the solos exactly. I mean, he didn't want me to do that. He said that's one of the reasons he hired me, because he said he, a lot of these other guys tried to learn these solos note for note. And you, you know, you were actually able to to play and sound create music. <laughs> oh, that's great. So so that yeah, that opened up a lot. It opened up suddenly I'm not just playing for a mosh pit, you know, I'm yeah. actually playing for people listening and playing for Satriani fans and Eric Johnson fans. Yeah, when I yeah. I was I mean, I, I was still finding myself as a player, but I was good enough to to be accepted by this instrumental, these instrumental rock listeners. Mm-hmm. And that, that opened up a lot, but uh, I ended up leaving the band, not just because I had these ex- expanding interests. The band was you know, going through this whole VH1 behind the music arc that so many bands uh, <laughs> go through, you yeah. know, they're not getting along and there's, this, yeah. you know, we don't, don't even need to get into that, but well, it was, I, I ended up leaving. So I left early nineties and by the late nineties, I was make plotting my move to New York and I was, and I, I had tried a few different bands during that time. It was a lot, a lot of um, big learning process. Just like, what do you do? I'm like known for this type of music that, it's just very limited. Most people I knew who played that type of music only played that type of music. The listeners could care less if I'm doing something that doesn't sound like that. Yeah, you know, if, if I'm not yeah. going to play with Testament, well, they want to hear me and some other band, <laughs> right? Some other yeah metal band. And um, I just decided to lay low and go back to school and get a university education, which I knew would make my parents happy, but also just to study music at the university level. I knew that would um, fill a lot of gaps that I felt in my playing. Cause yes, I got, I definitely took my playing, my metal playing further than uh, anybody had thought I had. And I, I was able to play with musicians you know, outside of metal, which was like unheard of yeah. playing metal. But still, um, the, the more I got to know like real jazz and jazz fusion artists and I realized, okay, I don't know how to write a chart. If I were to play with a piano player, I don't know how to like appropriately play with the piano. I don't, my listening skills, my ear training, like there was a lot. I realized I, I needed to learn. So just being totally honest with myself, I said, okay, I'm just going to take a few years and I'm just going to study. And by going, so I going to the new schools, like solved a, a lot of problems. It, it got me to New York. I knew I wanted to be in New York. Um, I wanted to have my questions answered whenever I, because I was constantly having questions. Well, the new school jazz department has this, faculty of just you know incredible artists many of them on records that i listened to yeah 
And it's, oh, I can ask them, how, what am I doing wrong here? What, what, how can I make this better? And just, uh, so a few years of that. And by the time I finished the, the new school, uh, I had a project which would become my main instrumental project, my trio, the Alex Golnick Trio. And we've done several albums. We've done, I think we have almost a half a dozen records, including uh, live recordings. But um, it also led me to a whole other, you know, a world. I, I was a session player, um, like a guitarist for hire. Yep. And um, I, I played for, I went to Europe, I played for uh, like a Euro pop star mm-hmm. that had like kind of flamenco influence. She was actually a big influence on uh, Shakira, uh, Alabina. And I played for... Uh, a Jewish folk singer, more folk in the style of Judy Collins and hmm. Peter Paul and Mary, but uh-huh. with Jewish theme. Like all my relatives were impressed when I started playing with her. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hadn't heard of her, but a, a lot of folks I knew like would sing her songs at day camp and stuff like that. So, uh, and there I, I actually played with some great music. I mean, she had interesting musicians. She had, um, she had the bass player for Suzanne Vega at one time. Wow, one, another time she had the bass, the South African bassist for Paul Simon, uh, Bikiti Camello. Mm-hmm. So these are like top session players. And I realized yeah. too, playing with people like that, even if it's you know, very simple music to learn, was almost, it was actually more helpful than playing jazz in situations where maybe the players weren't, you know, we're still learning the way, the way I was, mm-hmm. I mean, playing with great jazz players. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing like that. Yeah. But just, you know, even playing simple kind of pop style music as a session player, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that just it raises the level so much. And I noticed it affected all my playing. And then, uh, yeah, this was like the early 2000s. And uh, right around that time, I had gotten a call from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra that needed a guitar player. And just a quick backstory on that. Um, I had, before I had moved East and really just started focusing on jazz, I had done one album with a band outside of Testament. The band was called Sabotage. And that was a band I had liked. They'd had a couple hits on like MTV headbanger ball and but they they'd had some ups and downs career wise and unfortunately their guitar they had a great guitar player Chris Oliva who passed away unfortunately and they needed this album finished they just needed lead guitar parts so I went and I played for sabotage on on this album called handful of rain fast forward a few years that producer his name was Paul O'Neill he had always envisioned a sort of uh, rock Christmas show and wanted Sabotage to be his vehicle for that, along with like choirs and choral singers and Broadway singers. And the early 2000s, he's finally got that. He's got label backing. He's got promotion, major, you know, and it's it's happening. And I wasn't sure about it at first because I thought, do I want to play stuff I'm, I'm really sort of moving in this other direction but 
I don't know. Somehow it felt right to just get to have both sides. And there's a lot of like very technical kind of screaming lead guitar in there. Yeah. Like the type of stuff I did with Testament, maybe not as fast. Yeah. And it sort of got me back into that. So I was part of Trans-Siberian Orchestra for this. For, it actually ended up being over the course of 10 years, but it was great because it was seasonal. I only toured in the winter. Can I ask you? Yep. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's okay. I know it's a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, I I have I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Um um, but I uh, I I the night on Christmas Eve I was playing Trans Siberian Orchestra for oh. my kids because I knew that we were going to talk and I knew that you had been a part of Trans Siberian Orchestra and uh, and I'm I'm sure most people who are listening know who Trans Siberian Orchestra is. Um, but I at least know who they are. And most of them mm-hmm. have also probably heard the music. But I wanted to ask you real quick about like, I feel like I should maybe go backwards first, but maybe we'll come back to it because the Testament thing was something where it started as a project. You guys were all young, right? It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a club scene yeah. band. Legacy. Yeah, I was, and, young, I was young, the, uh, the baby of the band. Uh, everybody else was at least out of high school. They were, okay in their twi- early 20s and they're really ready to go for it. I was in 11th grade. Okay, so didn't I want- know what the hell I was doing in my life and didn't know right. what I was getting into. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> that you were, you know, a, a junior in high school. I mean like um but I, I okay, so I do want to take a second and talk about Testament then and then and then and then talk okay. about Trans-Siberian Orchestra because those were two, those would have been two completely different experiences for you in many 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 ways, but mm-hmm. the the Getting involved in this band, this band that will become Testament. What was that? What was that arc like for you, for you guys? Um, were you were you attracting crowds? Were you attracting label attention um, as Testament? Did 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 the did your career as Testament take off relatively quickly, or were there a lot of years where you were working and and? No, it, it had to have happened relatively quickly because you said you'd done like three albums by the time you were oh, yeah. still in your late teens. So so what were those early years like? Um, yeah, it's actually kind of incredible to think about it now. Like to me, two years is nothing. We've barely we haven't we're approaching two years since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not quite there, but we're almost there. That yeah. feels like that's it feels like a snap my fingers. Right. It's yep. just, so within two years from my first gig, just nervous, barely holding the pick, um, recording my first album with the band and touring, supporting groups like Anthrax. And um, yeah, at the same time, you know, friends of mine were going off to college. Like yeah. At that same time, I was packing to <laughs> go, go and record this album. Um, so that was pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, We never got, you know, we, we got some big tours. Um, we, we were big enough to do some big theaters. We were mostly a support act that whole time. Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly, we, yeah, we reunited, uh, in the two thousands and we're still, still going and since then, there seems to be like more appreciation for it now. So now when we tour, 
it's House of Blues, it's Fillmore's, right. you know, it's like big, respectable venues. Yeah. Um, and also there's just a whole world of uh, big heavy metal festivals mm-hmm. there, especially in Europe. Like they're, it's almost like um, the way European countries have sports teams that they're proud of. You know, it's like, yeah. They're all trying to outdo each other with the best. Who can have the best festival? Belgium has grass pop. France has a relatively recent one, but most of us think it's the best <laughs> called Hellfest. Um, but Germany was there from the get go with Wacken, which is the big, it's so big, nobody can come close to it in size. Yeah. Um, and there's much smaller ones. Not, I mean, they're, they're still really big, but. And this is, it's a big thing. And it's just a, it's a big part of the culture there. Families go on vacation and they camp and uh, people, you know, who have regular jobs, take time off work. And they, um, so it's, it's changed a lot. It used to be this, you know, thing, this real youthful music and it still is young Mm. people still love it, but it, it attracts all ages now. And it's not, something for people on the fringe of society anymore. <laughs> right. Okay. So this is what I wanted to ask you about, because there is that, there is that thing about Europeans. And I would say, um, I, you know, I used to, as when I was growing up and I was listening to Metallica and bands like that, I would see these, this footage of them playing like these stadiums in Brazil or something in front of 80,000 people, you know, or whatever. Um, when you guys, my first question is, uh, when you were when you were a part of the first iteration of, of Testament for those years that you were before you decided to step away before the VH1 behind the music arc happened, uh-huh. as you said. Right. Um, did you tour at all or much in Europe? Yeah. 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 OK, it got so, the point where we would go to Europe pretty much once every album cycle. OK. And what uh, like f- as a young person, because for me, traveling was such a huge perk of being in a band. Yeah. Did you did you so did you did you and do you still actively enjoy the traveling? Um, Have there been places that you've been have that have been really special for you? Yeah, I I love it. It's actually one of the things that keeps me doing it. Yeah. Um, Just I love getting up and going. I love um, seeing seeing the world. I like like having friends and, you know, far away places. I've gotten it's a photography relatively recently, but it's something that, you know, it's really like consumed me in the mm-hmm. last few years. And uh, part of it, you know, is being able to travel and go to these places that most people don't get to go to at least regularly. Yeah. And photo photographing, of course, you know, the last two years that changed. Um, yeah. I know, but if if all goes well uh, in the summer, that that will happen again. You'll do. You'll be doing some testament part as part of some of those festivals. Yeah, yeah, we have a full festival schedule in uh, June and July. That's great. So, and then you have this. The the, the real question I had about Trans Siberian Orchestra was, yeah. what was it like to get into a packaged? product as opposed to being a teenager being a kid and getting into a band and just sort of getting going to get into a situation where someone was putting a package together like putting a musical concept together 
hiring great players mm-hmm. and, and then putting it out there. I assume that the burden was not as it was with you as a kid in, test, in Testament with the rest of you to make it. This was That's a right. thing that was sort of given as an opportunity. You know, they were like, do you want to be a part of this? And you right. said, yes. Um, what was that? Did, was that how, how was that a different experience for you? I guess would be my last question then would okay. be the time that you were doing that. How, how was that touring and all the other kind of stuff compared to those early days? It was very, very mixed. Yeah. Because there were some great musical moments, but it's not your vision. Yeah. And you may have an opinion on things, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's a huge difference. And I, during the time I, I was there, it became an arena act. Mm-hmm. And we're playing to sold out arenas. Uh, that's what I always wanted. So I got to have that experience of just, you know, playing, being the headliner and having that kind of production. And, uh, my production manager, Patrick Whitley had worked for Van Halen. My pyro guy worked for Britney Spears and kids. You know, I mean, so I'm like working with the, the cream of it's the world-class production people. level. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting to know these people and, you know, so that, that part was incredible. Um, but then there were other times where <laughs> I remember one time I, I was playing and I was, I'd worked really hard on the guitar part and felt like I, t- I was taking it to a next level. And I just know, looked around, nobody, all these people, no, nobody was looking at me. They're pointing and there's explosions and there's <laughs> dancing. The singers are doing these dances and, yeah, you know, they, they look very, very attractive. And the lighting rig is opening up and it's coming, you know, and everybody's going crazy. And I realized, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're not going crazy over, over me. They're, they're going crazy over all this. So it's, yeah. So I appreciated it on one level. But I was also very realistic about it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, okay, long term, even if I'm going to be in much smaller rooms and much smaller musical situations. I'd rather do that. I'd rather have the music mean more. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still a great learning experience. And there are fans that come to my instrumental shows that got to know me from that. And Mm -hmm. I've got, yeah, great fans. And I'm I'm still close friends with some of the people I toured with. So I value the experience, but also knew I had to get out. Yeah. (laughs) It was exhausting. That was the other thing I was, I would do that tour. I was burned out for a a month afterwards. So wow. Any ambition I had, I, I, you know, it it helped fund some of my projects, which was great. I said, Oh, here's my album budget Mm -hmm. for my trio. But then after (laughs) I was just like, I'd be dead for so long. And then, you know, so it was just taking up, too much time and energy, yeah. but I got, you know, I got a lot out of it and I'm glad I did it. And there's, you know, it was That's a great. very valuable experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it stinks. We, we, we have a time crunch and I, I get it, yeah. but uh, I know we barely scratched the surface of, of your really, really fascinating life. And I'm, I'm glad yeah, I, that you, I could talk about it all day. I so. know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it was really great having you on the show. It's really nice to meet you. Thank yeah, you Alex, so much. I appreciate it.
I'll see you out there in the world somewhere. When, all right, man. When this Take is care. all over. Okay. Yeah. See you later. Let's hope so. This episode was produced and edited by yours truly. Thank you to Alex Skolnick for being on the show. A little bit famous theme music by Jay Darius. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next week. Bye.